We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity once again to feast upon your word. Father, I pray that you would feed us. Lord, we are hungry. Father God, we need a word from heaven today. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that I will greatly decrease that your spirit might increase within me, Father. Father, fill me right now, Lord God, that, Father God, that you might get the glory. That, Father God, that this word will come directly from you and that there will be nothing in me that would hinder the flow of your word. And, Father, we'll be careful to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first week we had, uh, we had dealt with, uh, uh, we talked about the uh, consequences and we talked about uh, fornication and immorality and, and adultery and how those things can affect our lives. Uh, last week we talked about in the area of sexual purity, we had talked about the importance of having a pure heart before God. That is that our hearts are right and our thought life is right. Because if our heart is not right and our thought life is right, then how many know it makes it quite difficult to try to live a sexually pure life. And so today we're going to be talking about, I'm going to give you some practical steps to being sexually pure. Because one of the things that I've always said that you hear me say it all the time is that I just love practicalities. And so today I'm going to share with you some things that will kind of help us in that area. I mean, you know that sexual purity is not automatic when you become a Christian. You know, your flesh is still the same flesh. And your flesh still had the same desires that it had before you came into the kingdom of God. The reality of it is, is if you and I are going to be sexually pure, then we need to do some things on purpose in order to make that happen. And today I'm going to share with you some things. Now, I know that somebody may be thinking, well, is he going to try to be legalistic? Or some of these things you might hear might, might uh, tend to come across that way. Well, well, the first thing that I want you to understand is that it's not, I'm not, it's not about legalism. And uh, it is about a life of purity. In fact, as I was thinking about this message, you know, sometimes as believers, sometimes we love to push the envelope. And what I mean by pushing the envelope, we kind of ask the question, you know, we say, to our, we say, well, how far can I go without violating the letter of God's word? And I think that sometimes we really miss the spirit of what Jesus is trying to say. And so some of the things today I'm going to share with you are going to be some practical examples, things that I have, I have utilized in my own life to help me live a life of purity and holiness before God. But Jesus, oftentimes, he talked, for example, when Jesus said, don't commit adultery, you know, a lot of people look at that as, well, okay, as long as I don't commit the act, I'm good to go, right? Well, you got to think of it. When you look at the spirit of what Jesus is saying, what he's saying there is that you and I need to do whatever we need to do to maintain a pure and holy life. And that could be different depending on the person who, who you're talking to. But the whole purpose of what we're going to be talking about today is some practical steps, some things that I believe that if you utilize in your life, that you're going to find out that you're going to walk in a more holy and in a more godly way as, we, as, as it relates to sexual purity. The first step I want to talk about is ponder the path of your feet. In Proverbs 4, 26 through verse 27, it says to watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Now, when the writer there is talking about 
ponder the path of your feet. What he is really saying there is that you and I need to consider where we're going. That you and I need to consider whether or not the place that we're going is going to promote godliness or ungodliness. For example, I get into this debate with guys on my job all the time. And, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, from time to time, they love to go to Hooters. Well, one of the things my wife will tell you, I do not go to Hooters, you know. And the guys would look at me and they would say, well, well, what's wrong with going to Hooters? I mean, what's the problem? I mean, it's, you, I'm just going there to get chicken. Well, I say to him, I want to get chicken. I go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. I can go to, you know, I can go to Popeye's. And, you know, I don't need to go to Hooter to get the wings. And I hear guys say, well, you know, the wings are real good. I say, well, you know what? Have them cook them up and you bring them over here. But I'm not going there. Why? Because here's the thing that we got to remember, that you don't want to do anything that will that will cause you to stumble. You don't want to put yourself in a compromising place because I mean, I want to go get something to eat. I don't need to see anybody's breast. I don't need to see legs and thighs. You know, I don't need to see all of that. And so and I don't want to put myself in a position where I can allow my imagination or be tempted to allow my imagination to run away from me. And I begin to to have to battle with what I'm seeing. And so when the writer there talks about pondering the path of your feet, you and I need to ask questions. Okay, if I go here, you know, what are the ramifications of going here? That's why, you know, I don't go to nightclubs. Why don't I go to nightclubs? Because I know what's in life clubs. I used, I used to be in nightclubs. How many of you ever gone to nightclubs? You're adults. I know your kids haven't gone to any nightclubs, you know. And, and I can tell you from experience, ain't nothing good. Listen, nothing good comes out of being inside of a nightclub. Because I used to be there, and I'm going to tell you, when I was in college, I parted, parted, parted. And I'm going to tell you something that more people got in more trouble. Either, either people got shot or they ended up in the bed with somebody else's wife or they're fornicating. And all of these things happen. Why? Because, you know, that's what the, that's what the atmosphere is all about. And so what you and I need to do is, the writer says, to ponder the path of our feet. We need to say, okay, if I go here, what could happen? You see, I need, we need to think beforehand before we make decisions to go certain places. Because you and I want to go in places that's going to promote godliness and holiness and sexual purity. And so we need to watch. If, if, if on your job, I mean, I got people on my job that I just avoid. I got people that, you know, and some of you may have had the same experience. You have people on your job that try to flirt around and, you know, I don't even, listen, usually if I got to walk one way and I know that that person is there, I usually take the other route. What am I doing? I'm pondering my path and my feet. I'm, listen, I'm going to do whatever I can to keep myself pure. I'm just not going to go certain places. And that's something that we all got to give attention to. Number two, now this is a big one. Women must avoid dressing in a sexually provocative way. Go ahead and turn with me to 1 Timothy uh, chapter number 2. In the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 9. Now, I know that I'm going against the grain here when I say this. Because what I and, and, and my daughter would tell you, we battle with her with regard to this. Because in our culture today, you know, the dress code is not is very, very revealing. 
And one of the things that we have to deal with our daughter with, and uh, some of you, and we see it, you know, she's always saying, well, why can't I wear this? You know, everybody else is dressing that way. And it seems to be the style, right? The style is, what is the style usually today? Very, very tight clothing, right? Very, very revealing up here. You know, half the body is being exposed and, and, and showing. And, and as believers, it is, it is really, really difficult to live a life of holiness and godliness in a society that is bombarded with sensuality. And so what we need to do is, listen, ladies, you need to give, you need to take care and you need to give some attention to how you dress. Because if you're going to be sexually pure, how many know you don't, listen, I always say this. You know, when I, when I saw my wife, when I first laid eyes on my wife, it wasn't one of those things that I looked at her as some sexual object. Now, I want you to stand up for, for a second, honey. You see, I told her I was going to use her in my sermon. You see, now, when I saw my wife, you know, when I saw her, I saw and I talked to her. I said, this is a very lovely, very nice woman. And the first thing I said is, I know that this is the kind of woman that I want to marry. You know, and I knew that right off the bat. Now, now and I'm talking about before I became a Christian. There, there were other women that I fooled around with. I never would marry. But I knew that when, when I saw this woman right here, that she was a woman that I want to marry. Why? Because she carries herself in a, in a godly way. And what I mean by that is, you look at how she's dressed. Okay? Now, the point I want to make is you can look beautiful, ladies. You can be gorgeous, knock down, drag out, and you don't have to walk around with your skirts way up here or half your bust showing or all this being exposed. Because, have a seat, baby. Listen, let, let me say this. When, as a woman, it should be offensive to you that guys whistle. I mean, one of them, I mean, you know, I can't even do it. Somebody give me a whistle. There you go. All right. <laughs> That should be very, very offensive. You know, listen, as a woman, as a, as a godly woman of integrity, listen, you want people to look at you for who you are. You don't want people to see you as some sex object, right? In fact, I was listening to, a, I was in this debate with one of the guys on my job, and they were telling me, he said, well, and they were talking about the Grammys, and I didn't watch it, and he was saying, you know, uh, Beyonce. And, and it was, they were talking about all the guys, oh, man, you should have saw her. Oh, boy, you know, you can almost see everything, you know. And I'm sitting there like, and now, now, Beyonce, now, I don't know a whole lot about her. I'm not up here to judge her. I don't know anything about her life. But, you know, it's commonly said that, you know, she's a Christian. Then I said, well, she need to be discipled because nobody should see half of your body. When people look at you, ladies, the first thing they shouldn't say is, ah, I want to go to bed with you. Because what does that say about you as a woman? They don't care a whole lot about you. Men, am I being real? What is it about? Is I look at you as a sex object. And so one of the things, we're going to be sexually pure, ladies. We've got to carry ourselves in a holy way, in a godly way. Now, I know it goes against the grain, right? Because everything you see, the dress code today is totally different. And as believers, we need to step outside the box and be willing to obey God and dress in a way that is honoring, in a way that is pure before God. Listen to this. Now, I'm going to let the word address this issue. First Timothy chapter number two, verse nine, it says, likewise, this is uh, Paul talking to Timothy. I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing. That word proper means suitable, 
righteous clothing, clothing that is appropriate and modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments. Now, that word modest, we're talking about modest dress. It means free from indecency, fairly good, marked by moral integrity. That's what that means, ladies. And so you're going to be sexually pure that we need to carry ourselves in a way that is godly, in a way that is holy, and in a way that people look at us, listen, that we don't cause other people to stumble. And I've been in churches, you know, brother, you know, brother come to church, brother's trying to be, trying to be right with God. Let's say he's been struggling in the area of immorality, right? And then he, some girl walks into church and she's dressed almost like a prostitute. Now, brother over there supposed to be worshiping God, but now he got to deal with what he just saw. He's over there like this, yeah, trying to focus on God because now you have, you know, and and here's the thing. Some people will say, and I've heard people say this, well, it's my body and I do what I want to do with it. First of all, as a Christian, your body don't belong to you. Your body belongs to God. That's the first thing. And people, you hear people say that. And then I've heard people say, well, if that brother or that sister or whatever, if he got a problem in that area, then that's his problem. It's not my problem. And I've heard that. But how do you know that's not what the Bible teaches? Turn with me to Romans chapter 14. I'm going to show you something. Because one of the things that we got to be careful about is that that the way that we carry ourselves, that we don't we don't listen, we don't cause somebody else to stumble. Paul talks about how that that all things are lawful for me. Paul says all things are lawful, but not everything is profitable. Not everything edify. As a Christian, you and I, we have what freedoms, right? We have freedom of choice. You're free in the Lord. But God said, don't don't use your freedom in a way that will cause somebody else to stumble and fall. Look at Romans uh, chapter number 14. Now, the context of this particular chapter is dealing with food. There was, you know, Paul was was given a discussion about food. And, and you know, there were some people saying, well, you can't eat certain kind of food. And Paul was kind of letting them know, listen, you're free to eat whatever you eat. But what Paul was trying to communicate is that the freedom that you have, make sure that you don't sin or make sure that you don't cause somebody else to stumble. Now, keep in mind, we're talking here about sexual purity. Okay, and it says here in Romans chapter 14, look at verse number 13. It says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this. Here's what we need to determine. Not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in a brother's way. You hear that, ladies? I know and I am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, You are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ has died. Now, he's here talking about food, but really it applies to anything. And and, and since we're talking about sexual immorality, he's saying is, listen, you're free. And for you, you may not think that it's a problem, but you and I need to consider how we carry ourselves and what kind of effect that it will have on other people. In fact, he goes on a little bit further in verse 16. He says, therefore, do not let what is what is for you a good thing to be 
spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who, who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue the things which makes for peace and the building up of one another. And here's the thing, ladies, we need to remember. If the way we dress, we need to consider, does it build up people? Is it going to promote godliness? Is it going to promote holiness? In verse 20, do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat, look at this, or to drink wine, or to do anything, look at the name and say anything. Anything by which your brother stumbles. And so we need to be careful about what we wear and how we dress. Because you could cause somebody else to stumble. What God has been trying to build in a person, what God has been trying to deliver a person, if we don't take care in how we conduct ourselves, as, as, as how ladies conduct themselves. I'm, also, I'm speaking more so to ladies because I mean, know that ladies usually are, you know, very, very revealing in their dress. But men, we also need to think in those terms as well. We need to think in holiness. We need to think in purity. We need to think, okay, how, when I, if I do this, how, what kind of effect it is going to have on the other person? And we need to consider that. Now, I know it goes against the grain, but if we're going to be sexually pure and if we're going to be holy and pleasing unto God, then we need to consider how we dress and make sure that we dress in a way that promote holiness and godliness. Verse number, uh, the next point, consider the consequences of the sexual sin. We're talking about some practical steps of staying pure. And Proverbs chapter number six, you can go ahead and turn there if you like. Proverbs chapter number six. Consider the consequences of the sexual sin. And it says in verse number 25, do not desire her beauty in your heart. Nor let her catch you with her eyelids for on account of a harlot, one is reduced to a what loaf of bread and adulteress hunts for the precious life. And look at verse number 27. Look at this. It says now, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Now, that's a rhetorical question. Or can a man walk on hot coals? And his feet not be scorched. So is the one who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not go unpunished. And verse number 32. The one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. In other words, he's not thinking about what he's doing. I love this. He who would destroy himself does it. In other words, if you want to destroy your life. If you want to destroy your life, go ahead and commit the sexual sin because you're hurting yourself. That's the person that you're hurting the most. A wounds and disgrace he will find and his reproach will not be blotted out. Isn't it amazing? You think about this for one moment. You know, but whenever the devil try to tempt you with sexual sin, do you, do you ever notice that he never tells you about the consequences? You ever notice that? That usually when you're being tempted in this area, the devil, you know, it's like he, he brings his image, he brings this before you, and it's like, you know, think about how you can do this. 
how you can get away with this and, and nobody else would know it. I mean, you know, it's only just a one night thing. Nobody else will find out. In fact, we're way over here in the Bahamas and uh, we're way over here far away and nobody would know. And it's just a little fling thing on the side. But look what the scripture says about that. He says, whoever touches her will not go unpunished. Now, how many know that God's word is true? And if God says that if we commit sexual immorality, we're going to be, because he said fornicators and adulterers, he will judge that there is a consequence for what we do. And the enemy does not tell us about that. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't share that with us. <clears throat> and if you and I are going to be <clears throat> sexually pure, the thing that we need to focus on is the consequences. Here's the thing you do. The next time you're, you're tempted to be uh, immoral, the next time the enemy try to tempt you in this area, focus on the consequences. Okay, here's the consequences. If I were to do this, okay, I can get a sexual disease, <clears throat> possibly an unwanted preg- pregnancy. If I'm married and I have kids, I can tear my whole family apart. Um, my wife, even if our relationship is able to survive, there's going to be difficulty in our marriage now because the trust issue has been violated. And no matter how hard I work at it, there's still going to be a problem. There's still going to be an issue. Okay? Think about David and all the things that David lost and everything that he had to experience for going ahead and committing that act. The next time you tip it, just focus on the consequences. Okay? If I did this, what, what are the possibilities that could happen? Do I want to get some kind of sexual disease and, and die? I can remember when AIDS first came out. Y'all remember that when AIDS first came out? I mean, boy, everybody was scared to death. But it's amazing how over time how people are determined to violate God because then they said, okay, we'll just we'll come up, we'll come up with some more sophisticated uh, condoms and different things to try to protect so people can still sin against God. How I many you know that the Bible says that he who does it will not go unpunished? And one of the things that you and I gotta realize is that God's word is true. God's word never ever changes. And you and I got to give care and remember that. And so what I like to do is focus on the consequences. When the enemy tried to tempt me, the first thing I think to myself, okay, how much is this going to cost me? If I go ahead and do this, what is this going to cost me? In one passage, in one place in the Bible, it said that it will cost you or it can cost you your life. That doesn't mean necessarily death, although it could be that. But destruction could be all around you. Everything that God is trying to build Everything that you're, you're, you're working hard for, you can ruin in one blissful moment of lust. And let me tell you, it is absolutely not worth it. It's not worth it. And the enemy always tempt you. I love how Jesus, when Jesus was being tempted by Satan, he just kept using the word of God. Jesus was just so focused. And that was for an example to you and I. Right? That you and I can do the same thing. Resist, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. And sometimes, you know, people always say, well, the devil made me do it. How many of you ever watched Flip Wilson? I'm, I'm, some of you kids don't know who Flip Wilson is. Oh, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do anything. How many of you know the devil can't make you do anything? You make choices on what you are going to do. We all are, are drawn away and enticed by our own lust. And the way to control that lust is to make some good decisions. And I oftentimes, I will focus on the consequences of a sin before. Listen, as soon as I'm tempted, I, I immediately I start thinking about, is it worth it? I'm not going to do that. You see how the enemy, the enemy comes and he tells you that. Or just the, the desires that is in your own flesh. It's like, why, why not go ahead and do this? I mean, 
Everybody else is kind of doing it. It's nowadays, uh, you know, having an affair and sexual immorality seems to be the norm of the day. It's like nobody cares anymore. But how many know that God cares? And if God cares and if God says don't do something, if they, we can remember this. The reason God tells us not to do certain things is because he loves us. If he didn't love us or care for us, he wouldn't tell us. I mean, he, you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't say it. But the reason why God give us these guidelines and these rules is because he wants to protect us. That's why, because he knows that if we engage in that kind of activity, that we can ruin our own lives. And he said a wound and disgrace he will find. And his reproach will not be blotted out. Number four. We need to be accountable. We're halfway there. We need to be accountable to someone you can trust. If you're going to maintain a sexually pure life, be accountable. Uh, James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, that's very, very important because, and it, and it flies in the face of this Lone Ranger, this Lone Ranger Christianity. You hear people say, well, you know, I don't need to be accountable to nobody. That I can just be accountable to Jesus. That's all I need to be accountable to. Not realizing that accountability is for whose benefit? Your benefit and my benefit. So when the Bible says confess your sin to one another. Listen, it's not saying that you go to this person. Okay, uh, I'm struggling with sexual immorality. Okay, I'm struggling with sexual immorality. Hey, bro, I'm struggling with sexual immorality, right? That's not what God is saying. He's not saying that you need to find somebody that you can trust. That you can talk to if you're struggling in the area of sexual immorality. Find somebody, listen, that when you're tempted that you can get on the phone and say, look, brother or sister, I'm struggling in this area. I need some encouragement. That's why the Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Because God, this is how God did it. God made us so that we're intertwined with one another. That we're the body of Christ. This finger, if this, I bite this finger, it sends a message to every part of my body. You see, it sends a message. And so God has designed us so that we can what encourage one another so we can strengthen one another so we can build up one another. And so when people and people, I know people who struggle in this area and they never, ever share. They never talk. They never get to a place where they say, brother or sister, help me. I'm struggling in this area. Please help me. Encourage me. And so accountability, we need not look at that as a thing of. Well, you know, it's somebody want to know my business. I mean, you know, it's not about your business. It's about being pure. It's about being obedient unto God. And so that's why I love accountability. I love accountability in my life. And you and I should absolutely love it. Why? Because it protects us. It's there for our protection. That's why Jesus said it. Uh, he said that uh, James said to um, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. I mean, there's healing when you're accountable to other people and you can share with other people what's going on, they can pray for you, they can help you, and they can encourage you. Most people that you know that are struggling or have struggles in that area have somebody that they're accountable to. And it needs to be somebody that you can open up and you can share with and say, brother. And that's why, we, that's why we want to start the men's fellowship. It's not so that we can just sit back and talk about all the intimate details of our life. It's so that we can stimulate the kind of relationships that we can encourage each other, that we can build up each other. Because it's hard today trying to live a life of purity and godliness. And we need to encourage one another as we press on toward that in the Lord. And then the next point is that we need to avoid 
being alone with the opposite sex. Wow. Now, now somebody may be thinking, wow, you know, he's really being legalistic. First Thessalonians 5.22 says, abstain from the form or abstain from the appearance or of, of, of the appearance of evil. I want to say that again. Abstain from the very appearance of all evil. And one of the things that I think that would be very helpful to us if we want to maintain a sexually pure life is that we don't put ourselves in compromising positions. And, and one of the things, for example, a lot of people like to make decisions when they're on the edge, when they're right in the thick of their temptation, right? When they're very, very vulnerable, right? You don't want to be here trying to make a decision on staying pure. Why? What's happening when I'm right here? Is this a safe place? Uh, I'm wobbly, right? See, a lot of people don't think that way. See, a lot of people, see, what happens is we need not define ourselves here trying to make a decision on whether or not I'm going to obey God at this moment. Because when you're in the thick of your temptation, when things are really tough for you and you're going through it, you're emotionally weak and you're walking like this, it won't take a whole lot for you to what? To stumble and fall. So here's what you do. You make decisions way back here to guard and protect yourself so that you never, ever get to a point where you're walking on the edge. Because once you get into it, it's very, very difficult. And the enemy knows that. And so when I talk about not being alone with the opposite sex, it's not like, you know, somebody would say, well, show me a scripture, brother, that will tell me that I can't be alone with the opposite sex. How many know it's not about that? It's the spirit of a thing. People get so caught up in the letter of the law that they miss the spirit of it. If, listen, one of the things that I've done over the years is that and my wife would tell you, I, listen, I don't go and eat dinner with no other woman. I've been two or three times in my whole police career because I absolutely had to. But people know, oh, my God, I do not go and eat. And I've had lady police officers who weren't trying to do anything. They weren't trying to get, you know, weren't trying to come on to me, anything like that. But they just said, hey, let's go and grab some heat. Now, nah, I'm going to go grab, I'll go over to Wendy's. Why? Because I want to abstain from the very appearance of evil. And you know what? And I figure that if I can keep myself, if I can start preparing myself way back here, I won't find myself on the edge over here trying to make a decision. So I don't even put myself in compromising positions. If you're single, young people, if you're single, you don't want, listen, if you're single, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you can end up committing fornication. You know, when you get older, when you start dating, you don't want to go with a guy or, you know, a girl, whatever, to a mountaintop where nobody else can see you in a very private and secluded area and then think you're going to be holy and think you're going to maintain sexual purity. We're going to tell you something. It's going to be very, very difficult under those circumstances, especially if you're already attracted to someone in that way. And so we need to, we need to think way ahead of time and we need to say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not even going to put myself in that position. And so one of the things we talk about people having affairs, how do they usually happen? Let me tell you how they happen, right? Well, let's just pretend for a second, baby, we're not married. Well, um, uh, well, you know, um, Betty, um, you know, my wife, you know, <sighs> things haven't been going too well lately. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, I work hard for the money, you know. You remember that song, I work hard for the money? I work hard and, you know, she don't respond to me, you know, and I come home and it's, you know, Betty, it's all, it's always, I got a headache, you know, and, and you know, my, you know, my wife just don't understand me, Betty. And, 
You know, and I'm just, you know, I don't know what to do. I mean, I'm just really, really confused. And then all of a sudden, Betty starts saying, well, you know, my husband, you know, all he does is come home and watch ESPN. You know, he don't pay any attention to me. You know, I mean, I got all these knees and, and all of this. And, and, and let me tell you something, Gary. I mean, I'm getting tired of it, too. I'm just like you. I'm, I'm just sick and tired of all this. What is happening there? There's a bonding that is taking place. And I never, I'm making my point. I never ever discuss intimate issues about my marriage to some, to, to a person of the opposite sex. I don't do that. Why don't I do that? Because I know that people are getting emotional. People get weak. And what happens is before you know it, they start bonding. They start having a conversation. The chemistry start happening. And then before they know it, they're inside of an affair. How did it happen? Because they didn't get care to what? Ponder their feet. And then what happened is they allowed themselves to get all the way over here. They kept creeping, 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 creeping. And now I'm on the edge. I'm tempted. Right? I'm tempted, you know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't know, I, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And that's how it happens. And so one of the things that we can do, and, and you know, and, and pastors, and I think about people like Billy Graham. You know, all of us know who Billy Graham is. Uh, I mean, I think it's just a wonderful man of God. I absolutely have so much respect for him. And I heard him in an interview one time. And, you know, and he talked about and how all the years of ministries, we hear about all these uh, other ministers and, 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 and ministry leaders that have fallen into immorality. And one of the things that he's always done for him, his staff, is that they just never spend time alone with other women. They don't go on business trips with other women. You know, you know, they don't they don't do whether there's an attraction or not. They don't even put themselves in that position. And I believe that because of it and all these years of ministry, and we're talking about somewhere about what, 50 plus years of ministry this man has done. There has never been a hint of immorality in that man's life. Why? Because he shielded himself. He protected himself. And if you married, then that is something that is good. Listen, avoid being alone with the opposite sex. I know, I know that, that some of you, you, know, you might be thinking, that's a little bit extreme. But, but trust me, it's going to help you in the long run. Because the flesh is flesh. We live in a very, very sensual culture. And all of us have problems from time to time, right? All of us have struggles in our relationships from time to time. And so if I got a problem in my marriage, I want to talk to Kenny. I want to talk to Daryl. I'm going to talk to this brother. I ain't going to go talk to Jennifer about that. Well, I'm going to talk to Jennifer about that. She might have some problem on her own. She, I, don't, I don't even, you follow what I'm saying? I ain't going to do that. And it's the same thing with my wife. If she got a problem with me, she'll need to go talk to Kenny about it. She'll need to go talk to Daryl. She'll need to go talk to Sean. She'll need to go talk to Jennifer. What are you doing? Safeguarding. I'm safeguarding so that I can make sure to maintain sexual integrity and purity. That's what we're talking about. And it's something that we need to give attention to. And then number six, we want to have a couple more when we're done. We need to refuse to view images that will stimulate lustful and ungodly desires. Job 31.1, and this is a very, I I love this scripture. It says, here's what Job said. Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then shall I gaze at a virgin? That's, That's powerful. Here's what Job said. Job says that I have made a covenant with my eyes that there are just certain things that I am not going to look at. 
you know, and I had to, I had to rebuke one of the guys on my, at, at work because, you know, he loves to send me these, these emails. And how many know that with, with technology, they emails, people send all kinds of funny stuff to the email, a lot of filthy jokes. And then, you no, know, everybody gets them, whoever, you know, if you sit down to mess with the internet, you got email. We all have to deal with that. I told one brother last week, I said, brother, look, do me a favor. Don't send me those kinds of emails. I don't need to see any images, any sensual images, any filthy jokes. I don't need to see that. And so I made a covenant with my eyes that I'm not going to gaze at another person with lust. I just make a covenant. There's just certain things I'm just not going to look at. In certain places now, when I go inside the 7-Eleven, I know certain places I just shouldn't be looking at. What am I doing? I'm making a covenant with my eyes. Here's what I'm saying. The, eye, the eyes, I'm controlling these because I know it's going to affect here. I'm going to make a covenant like Job said. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes that I will not gaze upon another one. It's making a covenant with his eyes to not to watch things and look at things. Consider, you know, that before I go to that movie, you know, what's in that movie? Are there any nudity, anything like that that will cause me? You see what I'm saying? To cause these images, these lustful feelings. Because let me tell you something. All of us struggle. All of us got lustful desires inside of us because of the sin nature. The only difference between a person who, who has it and who can defeat it is one that has disciplined himself that he's not going to do certain things. But all of us have the lust. Listen, it's all in there. It's like that ragu spaghetti commercial. It's all in there. You remember that? It's all there. Okay? But you and I got to discipline ourselves so that we can make sure that we're in control of that thing and that it doesn't control us. Amen? And then number seven. We need to meditate on the word of God. I'm not going to dwell on that. But listen to what it says in Psalm 118, verses 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? He's asking the question. By keeping it according to your word. Your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against God. The word, Psalm 118, 105 says, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So one of the things that I've made a habit of doing is whenever, whenever I'm tempted in the area of sexuality, I always go and get the word of God and I study and I meditate on scriptures dealing with that subject. And you'll be amazed how when you get that word deep down in your heart and you really get it down in there, how when these things come up, how the word of God will break you free. How the word of God will pop up in your spirit because this word is living. You get this thing down on, on the inside of you. You start meditating on this word. This word will free you and it will deliver you. It really will. And if you're not going to be sexually pure, then some one of the things you have to do. And I love to read like Proverbs uh, verse chapter 1 through 6 or 7. And it talks about the adulterous woman. It talks about the woman that's dressed like a harlot and all the sexual pitfalls that could happen. And how, and, and listen, we all need to be reminded on the consequences of that thing. And so the word of God is good. The word of God is like a medicine. That's why we preach it all the time. And you say, well, why did he keep preaching and reading the word of God on a consistent, regular basis? When everybody started doing it on a consistent and regular basis, I'll start preaching it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We'll move on with that. All right. Then number eight. Finally. If you make a bad choice, if you fall into immorality, here's what you do. Confess it to God and get back on track. Now, we talk about David an awful lot. 
When David was confronted about his sin, he didn't make excuses. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Was he a man after God's own heart because David was perfect? No. He was a man after God's own heart because when he was confronted with the sin, he quickly said, I'm guilty. God, I did it. God, cleanse me and make it right. Now, if you have fallen into adultery, then obviously you're going to need some counseling. and You need to pray about how you want to pursue that. But the first place that all of us need to start is that when you have fallen and you have committed immorality, the first thing you need to do is confess your sin to God. And quickly get back on track. Listen, here's what the enemy tried to do. Don't try to rationalize it. Well, I wouldn't have did it if this person wouldn't have did that to me. Or if this person wouldn't have came knocking at my door. Or if this person wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been walking around that way. Or if this person wouldn't have did this. Or if this person wouldn't have done that. Then I wouldn't have committed this sin. No, listen. God, I'm guilty. God, I've blown it. God, restore me. Have me know that God will do that. Because God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. And God wants us to be sexually pure in a society today that is going down the tube. I mean, you can't even you can't even ride inside your vehicle. And, you know, they got the big the, the public transportation systems now. There are images on that. You ride down the road. It's like, man, I'm like whiplash all the time. That's the kind of culture that we live in. And let me tell you something, too. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. You think about it. Have anybody ever studied the Roman Empire? And one of the things that that great empire, that, that, I, mean, the, the, I mean, control the world, it failed because of moral lapses, because of immorality. People engage in all kind of illicit and ungodly sex. And our society is going that way today. And, in fact, I was telling my wife not too long ago, I said, you know, probably another 5, 10, 15 years you're going to see people just totally exposed. I really believe that because it's getting to the point now. I mean, you can't go, ain't nowhere else to go. I mean, there's no more room. And so, which means that you and I now, we have to discipline ourselves. Remember what I said, don't wait till you get here. Start making some plans way back here. Way back here when you, this is a safe place. It's safe right here. I don't want to be up here trying to make decisions on being pure. Because it's too dangerous right here. And too many people have fallen down. Great men and women of God have fallen in this area. Have fallen, and we've seen it over and over again. And it usually has something. When you go back and you look at that situation, it is because of a lack of discipline somewhere, a lack of accountability, or somebody thought that I was invincible. Well, you know, I can do this. I can be alone with this person. And, you know, I'm not going to slip and fall. It's not going to bother me. Right? That's the way people think. But see, that's being out here. That's flirting with the edge when people think that way. See, what I used to say is, you know what? I don't know what I might do. That's my attitude. That's what I think. I'm capable, and you, here's how we need to think. You and I are capable of doing anything. Or, brother, I would never do that. You don't know what you might do. You don't know what might happen, what, circum, what situation might happen in your life. So you don't know yourself. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked, so wicked you don't even know your own heart. So what I do is, so you and I got to maintain integrity. We need to do some things. And what I share with you today, some practical things that will kind of help you. And I'm just going to repeat them. I said, number one, to ponder the path of your feet. I said, number two, women must avoid dressing in a sexually provocative way. Number three, consider the consequences of the sexual sin. Number four, be accountable to someone that you can trust. Number five. 
Avoid being alone with the opposite sex. Number six, refuse to view images that will stimulate lustful and ungodly desires. Number seven, meditate on the word of God when being, when being uh, tempted sexually. And then number eight, if you make a bad choice, confess it to God and get back on track. Now, what I thought I'd do is, and, and, and just, I just want everybody just for a moment to just, just bow your head and just close your eyes for a moment. I want everybody to just really just focus right now. I want you to, to really focus on the Lord. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take communion after we do this. But I thought that this would be an excellent time. Even if, if, if you've fallen into some kind of immorality or even if you haven't. But if you just want to make a covenant before God that says, you know what, God? I just want to come up today and I just want to ask God that you would give me strength to live a sexually holy and pure life. And I'm going to ask us to do that. You know, and I, this is not, this is not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you what's been going on with your life. But if you feel that, listen, you know what, uh, a pastor, you know what I want to do? I want to come up today and I want to come in agreement with you that, you know, that the Lord would give me the grace and the strength to live a sexually pure life. And so if you want to do that, I'm going to ask everybody to do it. Just come up. Let's pray. If you want to just do that, if you want to be holy in your in your behavior, if you want to live a life of sexual purity, I'm going to ask you to come up.